Hello and welcome to the Marketers Who Execute podcast. My name is Rick Roberts and I'll be your host for this show. This time we're chatting with a true game changer, someone who has become a legend in internet marketing circles. These days he's known as a digital marketer, an author, a speaker, a software developer, an online marketing educator, and marketing consultant. It's my real honor here for me to introduce to you and welcome to the show, Mike Filsaime. Probably the best intro I've ever gotten. What a true professional. So happy to be here. Excited to uh, to give out some great content. Ah, you're too kind. Well, you've become one of the biggest and most recognized names in internet marketing. There's no arguing with that. Was that always your ambition for you, Mike? Um, oh, wow. I, I, I think I have to be, you know, uh, completely transparent here. I've never been asked that question. Um, when you meet me, I'm, I'm probably the guy that when, when people finally meet me, especially in person, they'll say, what a nice guy. What a, um, what a, uh, what a, what an easygoing guy. Uh, very, very unselfish, you know, what different types of things. And I only say that because, you know, I've heard that I'm, I'm kind of laid back, but boy, it, deep inside, there is a driver of, uh, of me that wants to be number one at, at everything I do. Uh, I'll just give you a couple examples. You know, I was the type of guy that, you know, when, when we would play foosball, uh, in my office, um, <laughs> I'm gonna try to say this as PG as I can. Um, I would, I would, I was, I, I would win nine out of ten games. You know, uh, I used to sing the Cranberry song when I would start doing a comeback on somebody. I'd start singing, "I'm in your head, I'm in your head," and I'd score another goal. And I would relish, you know, kind of the way Michael Jordan did, you know, in, in winning a game. <clears throat> and when I'd lose, I'd put this big smile and go, "Ah, you got me!" High five, and everything. <laughs> I would go into my office, office, and grab a pillow and scream. Ah! You know the F word right into it. Make sure nobody heard it. But yeah, so there's a there's a competitive nature to me. Um, um, I think I think part of it uh, part of it comes from wanting to fit in and wanting to prove. Uh, it's not it's something I, I don't talk about much. Um, <clears throat> maybe I've spoken about it once or twice to a couple of different people. It's just something that me and my brother have recently come to to realize. Um, and I don't think I've ever spoken about it publicly, but, um, you know, my dad and my mom were born in Haiti. So you, you give me a Dominican, uh, and, uh, you know, anybody that's Dominican, especially I'm from New York and it's, you know, Hey, Dominican, Dominican, you, you, you talk about an Italian, they, you know, Italian pride, pr you know, kiss me. I'm Irish. People have this, this pride of their culture, you know, to be Russian, to be, to be whatever it is, right. Puerto Rican, um, Jamaican man, all these different things. Right. And then to be Haitian, I'm sure was the, the same thing. Not when I grew up. I grew up uh, born 1967, so I'm in I'm in high school uh, in ninth and tenth grade, and this virus comes out called the AIDS virus, right? And you can imagine, right? You, know, you didn't have the 24-hour news cycle, the internet, and everything like that, and it came on a little bit slower than the, the than the the coronavirus, but. You know, this thing, you know, if, if, if you're old enough to remember, it scared the hell out of people. And when people didn't know, especially when people didn't know, if you can get it um, by 
by touching someone, by looking at someone, you know, we didn't know that it was through, you know, um, you know, bodily fluids and intercourse and blood and things like that. So, um, my dad, um, was a very well respected person in, in the automotive industry. And he went for an interview one day, um, and, uh, there's a Mercedes Benz dealership and they're loving him. They're absolutely loving him. And, uh, all of a sudden, um, he, they bring the staff in and all the staff is like, Lionel, your accent, where, where are you from? Is that French or Canadian? He's like, uh, no, actually, I'm, uh, I'm from Haiti and it's, uh, it's a French accent that you're hearing. In the, and he's, oh, wow, that's beautiful. And all of a sudden, one lady goes, Haiti, isn't, isn't that where AIDS comes from? And everybody's like, everybody's face just went pale. And then um, my father, they said, Lionel, are, are you from Haiti? And so my dad lied. And said, oh, no, 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 my parents were from Haiti. I'm, and they were like, oh, oh, good, we got a little scared there. Um, so my dad came home and told me and my brother, quote, um, don't right now with the AIDS virus, and this was years before Magic Johnson, um, uh, do not tell people that you're from Haiti. Um, and then, believe it or not, my friends had known. And I started hearing things from my friends like um, – uh, um, you know, uh, you know, their parents, you know, weren't allowed to play with me anymore and stuff like that. And, you know, I would be like, uh, Hey, what's going on? And, and, you know, kids will be kids. It's because, because your family has AIDS. And I'd be like, what? You know, I'm talking, I'm talking 10th grade, you know, not, not seven years old. Right. <clears throat> so, so I had to hide about, about who, from who I was. Um, and my brother, we recently had a talk about that. I said, did, did, when did you start telling people you're Haitian? He says, maybe three years ago. We, so we, we had this thing that we would say we were, uh, French Canadian or, um, or Martinique or something like that. And when you would ask me, it was like this thing that like, you know, you didn't, you, you knew you were a fraud talk about imposter syndrome. Somebody would ask you, because if you look at me, I could pass for, a Dominican, a Puerto Rican, a Mexican, an Iranian, a Persian, an Iraqi, Middle Eastern, uh, Hawaiian, or a Filipino. You put me in that environment. If I walk into a bodega in Hempstead, New York, they're going to start talking to me in Spanish. Uh, and if I'm in, if I'm in, in, in Dubai, I'm going to look, you know, I have this very, very worldly ethnic look. It's probably people, they, they look at me and they say, Mike, you have a very interesting look. Do you, do you mind if I ask where you're from? And then I, I, uh, I say, what do you think? And then they're, they're saying, uh, I don't know, either Filipino, Arab. It's really tough to tell. And I say Haitian, you know, and they're like, oh, my God, never would have guessed. <clears throat> and so I had that question my whole life. And as soon as I started seeing that question, I would start sweating. And I'd want to get off of it very, very quick because I didn't know if they knew something different or there'd be another friend around that would go, that's not true. You're Haitian, right? So, oh my goodness, I can't even tell you how how tough this was for me. So, um, yeah. So I think that uh, that that created something inside of me that wanted to fit in, like on a on a deep level. Like when I, because uh, so I could talk to you about the things that I was competitive at. Um, I wrestled in high school, and I. I wrestled my brother, my friends all time. I just, it was the most important thing in the world to me. And I wasn't the best wrestler in practice, but I worked really hard. And there was always this guy, Mike Del Pilar. He was the, the varsity guy and I was a junior varsity guy. 
and he had more experience than me. He, he was varsity the previous year, but I knew I practiced a certain move and I knew he was a better wrestler than me, but we would, we used to have these things called wrestle offs because the best man wrestles on, on Friday night. That's the way it is <clears throat> or Saturday, whenever we'd wrestle. So they were very fair that way. It was none of this, you know, um, you know, participation trophy stuff, right? Back then you earned your spot on the varsity team. So I would go on the wrestle off. I'd walk up there very shy. I would play, I would play very, very coy. And then as soon as we would go in, I would blast and I beat this kid every single week, every single week. And he'd beat me up in practice. And the coach, I remember the coach's face would go, uh, all right, Phil Zemay, because I wasn't Phil Same back then. That, that's an internet marketing thing. That's for another story. But they say, all right, Phil Zemay, varsity, Del Perlard, junior varsity. And he'd throw his sneakers at the wall and take off his headband. And I had the same mentality going into the wrestling match. So I was, uh, I wrestled my high school year. I went 18-0 and one. And when I was 18 and 0, I had never been pinned. And I could tell you that the very last match that I had, I went on to this guy's name was Craig Redding and he was, he went to the States and my very, very last match, um, <clears throat> this kid taps, taps, you know, the handshake thing. We start going about two and a half seconds in, I was blinded by him doing a fireman's carry, his arm and bicep went, he, he tucked in and his arm and bicep right into my crotch, <clears throat> pretty much nearly knocked me out. I, I saw stars and I heard, and I, I got up and I said to my coach, it's the most embarrassing thing ever. I said, what happened? He goes, you got fucking pinned. That's what happened. And, and, and <laughs> it was my last match of, of my wrestling career. I never played in college or anything like that. And, and like that, telling that story today, like, like completely, completely haunts me that I was 18 and 0 and I, I being on a wrestling team, I don't know if you did any high school or college sports or something. To me, I wasn't in the military, but I can only say it, it had this camaraderie of th there was some brotherhood that was going on there. And, you know, to, to, to walk off in quote unquote disgrace, those things live with me. Uh, you know, I remember, I remember bowling uh, a perfect game almost nearly, and I missed a strike by one pin uh, in the in the 10th frame. And like, how I, you know, that I, I cried for days about that. My dad was, was trying to tell me, you know, he'd call me Keek, Keek, please get over it. You have to get over it. I couldn't get, get him out of my room. So, yes, there, there's this competitive thing inside of me. And I don't necessarily think consciously I said I want to be um, – <clears throat> on the Mount Rush, Rushmore of, of internet marketers. But, uh, but I get motivated by seeing other people's, uh, other people's marketing. I say, that's some magic that they're doing right there. How can I, how can I apply that to the outcomes that I want to achieve? I don't want to emulate somebody. I already have a goal in mind. I have an ends, uh, an end game. And I see the means given to me by somebody else. What the heck are they doing with that video? They just made a cinematic movie. That's never been done before. Can that work for, for this? And then I'll, I'll try to apply it. Uh, so in that sense, I want to be the best that I can be. There's a, there's a book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And uh, the first six words of that book, it could be five, we'll count them, but I think it's six, <clears throat> is good is the enemy of great. So that's six words. That's how the book starts. Good is the enemy of great. I remember looking at that and it took me about 
two minutes to turn the page. I said, what the hell does that mean? Good is the enemy of great. And basically what it means is, is in some sense, you know, um, your higher power, God, the universe, you know, put, put us out here with a potential. <clears throat> and isn't it a beautiful thing to strive towards potential in everything we do, in our faith, our relationships, our health, our fitness, um, <clears throat> uh, our, our finances, our, our, our relationships with our kids, people, everything. We, ha- we have an opportunity. There is something great in us. In, in that, that stone lies, you know, the, the, you know, the Michelangelo Angelo sculpture, right? And so for us to be good at anything is really a disservice to what our true potential is. And that, that's what I took from it. And I, and I found that to be profound. I said, <laughs> you might have a few questions. I can't help myself, but, but go deep into even the simplest of questions. But, but uh, so <laughs> that's a long answer to a short question. Oh, don't worry about it. I'm loving it. And I'm sure our listeners are loving it. I love the fact as well that you've harnessed your competitive streak and you're using it in a really positive way. Because I think a lot of people look at those of us who are competitive and it's almost seen as a bad thing. Whereas actually if you're competitive and you want to get out there and you want to change the world. Everybody uses Steve Jobs as an example of someone who perhaps he knew what he wanted and was able to push forward. I think that it's great that there's a poster child and that people look up to people like Steve Jobs. But in terms of your own career, Mike, and you've been able to motivate yourself. Who's inspired you the most, would you say? That's one and only, one and only, my dad. There is my dad and there's nobody else. I can, I can write a book and there'll be different people in there that I will give uh, credit to. And there are people in, in internet marketing, certainly, that have uh, – pave the way for me, uh, you know, they're, they're, that, that are invaluable, but my character, my dad, he's a, he's a legend of a man. He's a hero, uh, to, to me and everybody in my family. Um, he's, he was just, he's, he was raised right, maybe a little too tough <coughs> from his, uh, <clears throat> his military dad. Um, and, uh, I, I will say this, some of the things that, that, uh, the way that I was raised and my brother was raised, not my, my sister, but my brother, the way we were raised, um, quite frankly, would probably have put my father in jail in today's world. Uh, and, and I have no issue with it. You know, my, my father came from the spare, the uh, rod, spoiled the child school. He never hit me with his hand. Uh, he would use the belt and it was never out of rage. It was never uncontrolled. He would come home in this great mood and my mother would be saying, wait till your father comes home, wait till your father comes home. I mean, why? Because my mother said nine times, don't do something. And I went out in the back and painted the house or something ridiculous, right? When she told me not to leave that, leave that there. You're going to spill the paint on my brand new deck, you know, and she's not looking and what do I do? I spill the paint. <clears throat> so my, my, um, my father would come home and he wouldn't be more upset that I spilled a paint. It's that, it's that, it's that, you know, did your mother tell you not to do that? And did you disobey her? It was one of those types of types of things with my dad. And uh, he'd come home in his great mood and I'd go in and hug his leg. And he'd be, hey, Kiki, how are you? And, and then, do you know what your son did today? And my dad would be, is that true? He'd say, go, go in your room. I'm going to meet you there in 15 minutes. He'd have his dinner or whatever. He'd come in. And he'd, uh, he'd say, do you know what you did? Blah, blah, blah. And he'd say, okay. And, he, you know, I'd put my hands behind. He'd say, move your hands. I'd get the belt. You know, my brother would get it too or whatever. And we'd be crying like anything. And then, you know, 
but it really was the type of thing that I'd be looking over at my brother and I'd be smiling. And then my brother, my dad would go, he's laughing. And my dad would go, is this funny to you? And I'd get another one. It was, so it was just a discipline thing. Um, and you know, just another example, my dad had this weird thing that he would do when we'd get in trouble, it was on your knees. That was the thing. We'd have to go into the corner of the room on our knees. We weren't allowed to slatch. We'd have to put our hands, you know, like I dream of genie style and, you know, cross fold them over our chest and we'd have to be on our knees for 30 minutes. And you know what would happen when I'd get off? I would go to my dad and I'd say, dad, I'm sorry. And he would say, come here, sit next to your dad, watch TV together. I love the guy. Everything I did was, I had to be disciplined a certain way. <clears throat> now I'm not advocating for the belt or anything like that. I'm, I don't have kids and I don't know what the right thing to do, but I don't have any issues with the way that I was raised. And, and so my dad taught me a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> Um, my, we, we, I wasn't one of those kids. I remember when I would say something, my friend would say something like, I want to get that bike. And I would say something like, uh, oh, cool. When are you going to get it? Are you going to talk to your parents? And it would be like August. And they would say something like, yeah, I'm, my dad's going to get it for, to me for Christmas. And that to me was the weirdest thing. <clears throat> I was like, well, that's weird. You know, and just in my head, it's probably the right way, right? In my head, it was like, why are you getting something for Christmas? Um, that's a long time from now if your parents can afford it. And so my dad's attitude was more of a, a reward system. If I wanted the bike, my dad created a contract. Uh, I had to mow the lawn six times, never be late. And he literally had me sign these things. It was on the refrigerator. And he'd, I'd call him from work and he'd be like – Geek, did you mow the lawn? And I'd probably lie and say, yes, I'm going to come home. And if it's not cut, you, you know, you're not getting the bike. And, you know, uh, you know, so I, I'd go mow the lawn and I had. So for me, everything was a reward based uh, system uh, with grades and allowance. Every, everything was tied into this performance. And he would call me uh, top shelf. That's uh, that's uh, even today. He calls me top shelf when, when we talk. Um and, you know, his belief was, um, you, you know, you're not better than anybody um, and nobody's better than you, but you can do, you can do anything you put your mind to. And that came from him coming back from the car, car dealerships at coming into the house at 11 o'clock at night. And I'd be sleeping. I'd be sleeping. And he'd come in and he'd go, Keek. I'm like, yeah, what's up? Come on, come give your dad company. Come into the kitchen. And uh, I went, uh, well, how'd your day go? I'm like, dad, I, I'm tired. And I'd be sitting there like falling asleep and he'd be there with his crackers and his camembert cheese and he would be giving me lessons like, let me tell you something about the way the Italians negotiate. Don't ever ask them to sign anything until you shake their hands. These people are people of pride and they will tell you things like, I've given you my word and my word is more important than anything on a pen. And like he, he literally gave me life lessons about cultures and different things like that. So to me, again, long answer to a short question. My dad is the person that that formed me. In terms of motivation, as you were getting into your marketing career, because, I mean, you you've achieved so much, Mike. There's been butterfly marketing, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. And there's Webinar Jam, there's Evergreen Business System, Kartra, and of course now there's your Groove Funnels and Groove Pages. How proud are your parents of what you've achieved? Uh, I, I, I'm, because that's it, a, a bifurcated question, right? And uh, so <clears throat> let's start with my dad, so we can we can we can easily segue. My dad. Uh, <laughs> my dad is is so proud. Uh, I'll spare you the the the. the reading of the text, but literally he sent me a text the other day talking about how proud he is of me and how he talks to people 
about what I do. And if you know my dad, I have to warn you and warn him. You come to my house, I say, my dad's a talker. And he will trap you in a corner and start talking to you about the French Revolution and health and all, all these different things. And you'll say, oh, no, no, Mike, I can't wait to see your dad. And then I'll see you. He'll get you. And I look over and you're sending me the signal. And then to my dad, I have to tell him, don't trap people with your you know, this intellectual conversations. And you can see where I get it from. I can talk a lot. And he'll say, he'll say, Keek. I've been around for a long time. I can read bodily cues. I know when people don't. No, he can't. He'll, he'll talk your, your ear off. So, yes, he's very proud of me. <clears throat> My mom, on the other hand, gave me a completely different upbringing, completely different outlook on life. <clears throat> I would win. Talk about being competitive. I won the Presidential Physical Fitness Award. Um uh, all six years. It meant the world to me. I, uh, I was the fastest kid in the school. I had the fastest time in the, in the 600 yard dash, you know, just being the fastest, all these things just meant stuff to me. So when I had the, the presidential physical fitness award, <clears throat> I came home and I left it right on the kitchen counter. I came back after playing, you know, softball or kickball or whatever out on the street with my friends. And I came back and it was gone. And I said to my mom, mom, where, where's my presidential physical fitness award? This is just typical. I don't remember how it would be, but I can give you a typical scenario. It would have been, I don't know what you're talking about. Mom, you're the only one here. I left it right here. There was, there was certificates here. Um, I, I don't know. It's not there. If it was that important to you, you wouldn't have left it there. What are you kidding? And so I'm searching all over and guess where I find it. And this is like a patch, like a patch, not just a piece of paper. It's a certificate signed by Jimmy Carter you know, probably, you know, or automated, right? But to me, I didn't know that then. And a certificate, and I've had for five years prior, this is my sixth, and I'm going to get it sewn on. And it's now in the garbage with spaghetti sauce on it. <clears throat> yes, yeah, and that, that was my mom. She would go clean my room, and I had the Thurman Munson card from the New York Yankees, which, which was worth a lot, unwrapped, right, uh, you know, he had died from the Yankees and everybody's saying you need to save these things. Gone. Just thrown out. And, you know, well, it, well you, you shouldn't leave them on, uh, under your bed. You know, all the all those different things. So so uh, and just like one more thing, you know, you lose a dog, you lose a cat um, or her mother would die. <clears throat> Not much to shed a tear. Uh, my mom was a very, very strong person. And her answer to somebody was, uh, to everything was, you know, ours is not to question why ours is to do or die. She would say things like, uh, you live and learn, uh, tomorrow's another day. Um, all roads lead to Rome. If we were lost, <clears throat> my mother, you couldn't rattle the woman, literally nothing. And, and to, so the things that were important to me, she would just tell me, you know, Mike, you stop complaining about things that can be replaced. This, you're not talking about health. You're not talking about this. And so she was a very matter of a fact person. And I think perhaps, you know, from there, is she proud of me? I'm sure she is. But um, I had a, I, I, I have a thing that I do with my mom because uh, she never, ever said, I love you <clears throat> up until just recently. Uh, so I would just say to, you know, Michelle, watch this. You know, I'd be putting it on mute and go, watch this, watch this. We're getting off the phone. All right, mom. And she'd be like, okay, Michael, it's been great talking to you. Make sure to call your mother off. And I haven't heard from you in three months. You should just call me for my birthday. Yeah, you're right, mom. All right. Have a good day. I love you. 
okay, bye-bye. And I'd say to Michelle, see that? She can't say it. <clears throat> so about a year ago, I, I did one of those things and she said, love you too. And I like literally almost like, like broke down in tears because I was with Michelle and I was like, I got all, you know, uh, you know, choked up. And I said, wow, she actually said, I love you. Now she's saying it more, but that's the type of, to tell you the, the difference of personalities between my mom and my, my dad, my dad, my dad wanted to be conversational and my mother was, you know, here's your food, hardworking, go to work, do shopping. You know, she was there to raise the kids and, you know, uh, you know, leave her alone. Let her go, let her go watch her things in TV. She liked to read books. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying good, bad, or indifferent. My mom was the best mom anybody could ever ask for. She was just different, uh, than my dad. Very matter of a fact. It did, didn't matter if you want a, lo- a loss, you know, that type of stuff, you know? Yeah. It sounds like to me that in a way they both influenced you and encouraged you in different ways to become the person and successful person that you are in terms of everything that you've achieved so far in life. In terms of going right back to when you discovered your interest in marketing, what was the first thing you thought that you actually said in your mind, actually, this is the direction I want to go in? I'm sure that you've had the the usual background of encouragement to be a doctor, an accountant, or one of those traditional jobs, but you chose a different way to go forward. Why was that? Uh, so let's talk about what my parents expected from me. Um, I was not, I was not raised in that family where, um, uh, there was certainly never like, you're going to be the president of the United States. Right. And there was never anything like you need to go to college. You need to, uh, become a lawyer. Um, and you need to become a doctor. They, I don't think they ever spoke those words. Although my dad is really proud of his, his uncles that are, that are doctors. Like that's, that's the thing in their family. Many of his sisters and the, his sister's um, husbands are either doctors or teachers. Like education was the, – the, the, the fact that you had an education and a degree was more important than anything to my dad. More important than anything. <clears throat> Having said that. My dad's dream was to have me and my brother own a car dealership with him. That my, my dad was an entrepreneur and he instilled in me, um, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur. Uh, and, you know, he was the type of person that said, you know, you need to do every job in the dealership, Mike. You should do the porter for a day. You should clean cars. You should do this. You should, you, and he would say he'd had this expression. It's not his, but he would say you need to inspect what you expect. You need to have an understanding of everything uh, down to its core level if you're ever going to manage it or, or understand where the numbers come from. <clears throat> so there, there was a lot of entrepreneurship. You know, and he, he's talking to a 15-year-old when he's saying this stuff. He likes to hear himself talk. And I, I wonder where I got it from, right? So he, he, he literally liked to pontificate and intellectualize these different things. And, and so it got in me. So where did the entrepreneurial spirit uh, come from? It's either in my DNA or my dad groomed me um, uh, because I was, I was an entrepreneur um, in high school, I started my love. So we have to go even before computer science or computer programming. Um, I was a terrible student when it came to reading comprehension. I was the most interested kid in college in philosophy and psychology, but I would get a C, uh, because the, 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 the way, the way tests are done, they're done to play with your head. They're, they're there to fool you. They're, 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 they're there. <clears throat> My mind isn't made for when you give me four different things in, in, in a paragraph yesterday and the paragraph spoke about, um, <clears throat> you know, 
zero gravity. It spoke about G-force. It spoke about, um, uh, you know, uh, time dilation, all these different things. So I heard all four of them. And now you ask me a question that's multiple choice that has all of those answers in there. <clears throat> yeah, um, I just I wasn't I had a, a great concept of those things. But if you're going to, you know, ask me about, you know, an occurrence over Owl Creek Bridge and I friggin' love the story, but you're asking me what was the daughter's name and then you gave me four names and I put and I, I put the wife's name. Yeah, I failed in those things. But where I excelled tremendously was in math. I was the smartest kid in, in my class when it came to math. And what I found to be extremely tedious and boring was homework. I, I didn't have a discipline for it when I understood something. I knew it in my core and I did not like to do something 400 times, you know, seven times three, three times 21 and all it was like that stuff killed me. And even as a good math student, I, I, I wouldn't do as good as I, I should because I'd, I'd never turned in homework. I was just one of those kids. I'm just being honest with you. What does it matter at 53 years old that I, that I tell you these things? Um, <clears throat> so when it came to math, Man, did I fly through. I was, so in, in school, they probably had it in the UK too. You know, I think we had something called uh, basic, intermediary, um, something that started with a P and then advanced. <clears throat> so I was in the, the, the you know, the, the second phase, you know, the, the average phase for everything. Um, and then when it came to math, they put me in the advanced classes. I, I, you know, I got 100 on the trig algebra, geometry, and pre-calculus regents exams, the state exams. I got 100 on all four of those things. <clears throat> so what is, coming, what is coming up right in this time from a guy that's in, uh, graduates in 1985, starts his senior year in 1984, so 83, 82, 81, 1981, <clears throat> I'm in ninth grade. 1982, my friend Mike Batusio across the street, he doesn't have an Atari 2600 or an Intellivision. He has this keyboard thing that what the hell is that? It's a Commodore VIC-20. And he's writing a computer program, you know, uh, you know, for next loop with poke this and volume plus one. And he made the computer go, he hits run and it goes. And I'm like, oh, my God, he literally just programmed that. <clears throat> and I can understand what he did. I immediately, you know, gravitated towards that than a Commodore 64, the Commodore 128, the IBM XT. I became a self, uh, you know, self-taught programmer and very difficult back then. You know, you couldn't, you could barely even find books on these things. Um, <clears throat> um, they weren't even teaching it in school. So by the time they're teaching it in school, who in the world is going to teach you computer programming in your senior year? It's a new industry. It, it's literally just popped up. So what do they do? They send uh, Mr. Weston, who's the math teacher, over to Stony Brook University to take a crash course in computer programming. And he puts his heart and soul into it. And he's coming in and he's teaching this, this thing. <clears throat> so two weeks into class, probably in uh, you know, uh, the last week of September, <clears throat> he says, I'm giving you an extra credit exam. And this extra credit exam is due before the Christmas holiday. Um, and here it is. I want you to put in Roman numerals and output the decimal answer. I got to tell you, this is not easy. And because here's why, <clears throat> what is, what does an I represent in, in Roman numerals? Oh gosh. Now you're testing how smart I am. But, uh, if I remember correctly, an I would stand for the number one. Is that right? 
Yes, but it's also a minus one. Because if the number is IX, that number is nine, not 11. But if it's XI, it's 11. So when I have something like uh, VII, that's eight. But VIIX does not mean two. It's not eight minus, <coughs> um, you know, and, and, or, or that I doesn't, is not one, it's not seven, but, uh, you know, with, a, with the IX meaning nine. Like, so, so it was a very complex thing to know when, when do you figure out when you add a number or subtract it? When is that I not added to the previous numbers? Or, uh, or it, but it's subtracted from the number coming to it. Extremely complex. In my opinion, <clears throat> probably a great extra credit thing. So what do I do? I go in, I learn about this thing called a midstring, and I basically, you know, t break down every character. And then I had to, you know, create an algorithm that says, if the number is uh, greater than the number it precedes, then it's this. Else, it's if it's less than it proceeds and all these different things and and it's not working, it's not working. And I'm up till three in the morning and four. And finally, I crack it in every single thing I put in. Everything that I put in is now working. <clears throat> now, the way it worked back then, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you couldn't save your work, you know, uh, because they used a mainframe in the in, in the in the school and I had a, a Commodore. So. I printed my work and I've got, you know, 70 lines of code. I get to the school at 7 a.m. My hands are shaking and I hear the bell ring. I'm missing homeroom because what happens is when you type it in and you hit run, it then says syntax error. Oh, shit, line 30. I type something. And if, if you know anything about programming or if anybody hearing this, they're laughing right now. <clears throat> and then you had to do what was known as a proof. Right. I, I, so I had to now give the, 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 the five different Roman numerals and I put them in and then it gives the output and then I have to print the source code and they're kicking me out of the room. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And finally, I walk into class with this Cheshire cat, you know, uh, just shit eating grin, let's say. And I walk in and I say, Mr. Weston, this is like week two of school. And, and the day after he announces the bonus, I said, and I've got like 17 pages of printed stuff. And I said, here you go. And he goes, what's this? <clears throat> And I said, that's the, the extra credit. And I, man, am I waiting for him to give me a hug? And he, he looks at it, barely looks at it. And he goes, where did you get this from? And you got to remember, there's no internet back then. And it's impossible to get this code offline. There's no GitHub. <clears throat> but in his mind, who showed you this? What's, who's this uncle that you know at the university? Where'd you get this from? And I said, <laughs> I made it. I've got this smile. I, I, I made this last night. I've been up all night and I ran here early this morning. And he goes, that's not possible. I said, why? Well, no, I did this. What are you talking about? He says, he goes, because it took me a month to, to do this. And you're telling me that you did this overnight. And I said, Mr. Weston, yes. <clears throat> and he goes, explain to me the code. And I kind of did what I did to you. I said, well, you have to do this. And it's an algorithm because you can't do this and blah, blah, blah. So what I did is I created the midstring and all that. And he just looks at me and goes, huh. Still not fully believing me. And he goes, okay. And he puts an A on it, hands me the paper and walks away. A very defeating <clears throat> feeling for me. Completely redeemed. Completely redeemed, uh, you know, as the, the year went on because he would be doing, let's say, like a bubble sort, like how to, how to sort random numbers into ascending or descending order. And he'd get stuck and he would literally say, Mike, uh, what am I doing wrong? Uh, and I'd say, do you mind if I come up? And he'd say, sure. And I'd come up and I'd be working on the whiteboard with him like that. And he'd say, oh, OK, thank you. Thank you. Have a seat. And he learned to respect me. And he had suggested to me, um, what are you doing after school? 
um, you know, what? and I said, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I think, uh, I'm probably going to get into the car business. And, um, you know, my dad, he says, no, Mike, 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 you, you need to become a computer engineer. I was like, well, what, what would they do? You know, they, well, you can, you can write programs and structure and you gotta, you gotta understand, uh, you know, back then, there was, there was just, give me a job that somebody was doing computer engineering. We didn't know what we didn't know. There was just 84. I graduated in 80, 85. So this is 1984. And at that time, at that time, um, uh, you know, at, at that time, there's no such thing as iPhone apps. I just, I just didn't get it. <clears throat> However, um, my, my dad is, uh, is, is writing, um, is, is, is playing the lottery. And back then New York state lottery was two games for a buck and he played 20 bucks. He played the same numbers every week. And so 20 bucks, you got 40 tickets and he played it on Wednesday and Saturday. So he'd get home from the car dealership and, and, and channel five news at 10 35 PM on Wednesdays and Saturdays would, would give you the winning number. <clears throat> and the six number is 17 and the supplementary number is 42. So my dad is falling asleep, waiting for these numbers. He gets his ticket. He gets a pencil because they didn't, you couldn't computerize read your tickets back then. You had to circle and he would start circling, looking at the number. And you can imagine by, by the third card, he, he's falling asleep. <laughs> Dad, wake up. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, <clears throat> hey, let's go to bed. And he put the cards on the counter and he never checked his tickets ever, ever. They would just stack up. He had this literal stack of tickets uh, that one day he's going to check. And we used to joke we might be millionaires and we'd never know it. So I said, what a great project. I'm going to write a computer program that stores my dad's numbers onto a disk. And every single week. So, Dad, are you ready? Uh, yes. Here's the numbers. Ready? 17, 22, 36, 42, 48, supplementary, 11. Enter. Oh, dad, you got uh, you got four, four uh, you know, three, whatever. You won 12 bucks. Oh, cool. Which ticket? <clears throat> Whichever one has these numbers. And we loved it. It was great. So I uh, realized that every state was different. Maine was five numbers. Some didn't have a supplementary, whatever it was. So I, I, I figured out the rules for all the states. Called a, a, a magazine that was where I used to, you know, go with my dad. They had they, it was called Vera's Popery, and they had this magazine called Lottery Players Magazine, and it was for lottery junkies and information on all fifty states, strategies. You can imagine like what you would have for a casino. They had for a lottery in this magazine. They were doing all different types of ads, and. So I'm reading these classifieds and I said, you know, I want to put an ad there for my software. So I call up. I, I said, I'd like to place an ad. Sure. Hold on. <clears throat> Guy gets on the phone. Uh, what do you want to do? These are the rates. You know, three lines is this and it's going to be $125. OK, uh, I'll do this. All right. What's your ad copy? Go ahead. Read it to me. I said, and I read the ad. <clears throat> he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Are you telling me you have a computerized program? that will check the numbers for all 50 states. Doesn't this sound like such a joke right now, but back, back in 1986 at this point, this was revolutionary because there was no such, most people were just starting to get computers. So you hear program, right? You know, IBM compatible, all these things were different terms back then. He was blown away. He says, where are you? I said, uh, Long Island, New York. He says, I'm in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Would you be able to drive out here? I'm like, I don't even have a driver's license. My dad can take me. <clears throat> he takes me out there, um, makes me an offer. 
and he buys the software. Uh, he offered me 35000 for the software, but since it was written in a Commodore and it had to be rewritten for an IBM, uh, he offered me $25,000. And my dad said, take it. I sold him the source code. Uh, what did I have a need for it? I could still use it. <clears throat> and um, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I instantly got the bug of being an entrepreneur. From that point on, understanding opportunities that were in the back of classifieds. I bought Russ Whitney, who is a friend of mine and he lives here in Coral Gables, Florida. I've been to, I've been to his home and we've gone out to dinner. Um, uh, Russ Whitney used to be doing television commercials, uh, how to buy real estate with no money down. And they had this thing, this thing called the, the biweekly mortgage by making half a payment every two weeks, you pay your mortgage off in 19 years instead of 30, because there's 26 bi weeks, which actually makes, uh, you know, 52, you know, weeks in a year, uh, 26 payments, uh, biweekly is 13 monthly payments as opposed to 12. And that extra month goes straight towards principal reduction. So, oh, I buy this Macintosh computer and I, I'm knocking door to door and I'm placing ads in for people you know, following his system, go to the courthouse, find out who just got a mortgage, call them up and tell them that, you know, <clears throat> they could save 10 years off their mortgage and blah, blah, blah. And I became an entrepreneur o- overnight, overnight. Every, everything that my dad baked into me, <clears throat> I became the junkie buying things, you know, from Don LaPree, if that name doesn't ring a bell to you, he was a guy in, in, you know, in the United States that would say, I'm going to show you how to put a tiny classified ad in a newspaper that will make money. And then how you can do that in every single little newspaper and just get these checks coming in and blah, blah, blah. Obviously that didn't work or maybe I didn't apply myself. It was too much work. But I was that guy. I was chasing the dream. Um, and I take computer science <clears throat> And as I told you, there was no career path at that time that I believed in. And I had gotten married young and my brother was in the car business. He was doing well. It's 1988 now and he's making 50,000 a year. That's probably close to 90,000 a year today. And I just got married and I'm 20 years old. I dropped out of college and I got into the car business and that's where I learned how to become a salesman. And I was in that for 14 years and I was in, I was a piece of crap for 11 and I was fortunate enough to get hired into the the largest automotive group, privately held automotive group in the country. And then I moved up the the ladder very quickly to sales manager, to finance manager, to finance director, to general sales manager, then to general manager, back and forth between a Toyota and a Hyundai dealership. I ran the, the, the largest Toyota dealership in the Northeast region as general sales manager and the, the second largest Hyundai dealership in the United States as a general manager. And we didn't mess around. My competitors did 70 cars a month. We were doing 500 cars a month. We were, I learned the processes. I've learned everything about what it takes to build trust with people and urgency, scarcity, authority, all these different things I learned there. So Real long uh, answer again, but what what created me to be an online entrepreneur were these accidental accidents that happened that my friend happened to have a computer, that I was a good math student, that I fell in love with it. I liked computers. I was the first person on the internet. I was addicted to watching Home Shopping Network and QVC when they used to have a computer every single week. You're going to get this with 7,000 pieces of software. You get the upgraded mouse and all. Oh my God, I need a new computer. <laughs> like I wanted one. I was addicted to that. Addicted to uh, CompUSA. I was addicted to um, Gateway 2000 or Gateway Computers and then Dell and I I I just always wanted the latest technology. So when this internet came out, 
And I read this sales letter from Frank Kern that's telling you that you could sell a digital product and take money from PayPal, this company that just came out, and it'll be in your bank account overnight. My head exploded. So I didn't have this thing that said, <clears throat> um, you're going to be number one at this. Never, because there was no industry back then. There, were, there, there weren't gurus. There were hacks, and I was one of them. Uh, but I said to myself, something said, oh, my God, I think I'm born for this. I think this is – I'm not a career guy. I think this – and I got the understanding that this is going out all over the world. And when I put my first product online – and it was online for three days, and I'm using a traffic exchange. And all of a sudden, I heard, and I looked at AOL. My eyes just opened right up, and it said, notification of payment received, item number one, $19.95. My heart, <clears throat> like, literally just started pounding, and I could hear it through my ears. And I clicked, and I saw a customer name, and I said to myself, there is something that I did that I created, that somebody wanted, and I wrote the words that made them want it. It was that simple for me. Wash, rinse, repeat. Get better at, at finding products that people want. Get better at finding out where they are so that I could get them, their eyeballs to read my message. And number three, learn how to write a message that gets them to buy. That's the secret sauce. Create a product people want, Find out where those people are and create a compelling message. Obviously, a business grows out of that and a staff and all these disgusting other things. And I don't mean that as disgusting. I mean the stuff that's not fun. I love my staff. Uh, they're the only reason why I'm successful. But that to me was the point where I just I, – I, I'm telling you, I, I said to myself, life will never be the same again. 14 months later, I quit the car business. All right, so Mike, what I'm hearing is that you really sounds like you started out your internet marketing career as a content creator, albeit lines of code that you developed into a computer program that turned out to be a game changer for its time, and also the fact that you were able to sell it for you know pretty good sum of money back back in that day. So it, it's you know it's amazing that um, you would start your career that way and have such huge success right from the very beginning. Whereas a lot of people start out with content creation and, you know, it takes them quite a bit of time to start seeing any fruitful rewards from their efforts. And really the, the computer program that you created, your very first outing into the internet marketing world turned out to be such a huge success. And, you know, we haven't even gotten up to the point where you talk about butterfly marketing, which is one of your very first true success stories. Yeah. Yeah, and I just just quick a quick interjection there. If, if you notice, I I never said I was motivated by money, not anywhere in you know in in this first you know forty minutes of of the call or whatever it's been here, but maybe maybe uh, fifty uh, minutes here. Um, I never said that uh, this is how I'm going to make money. For for me, you know, going back to being accepted, like I, I love the fact that somebody wanted a product that I was accepted, that, that, that was validation to me. Uh, I was seeking validation and I wanted to create something that, that people wanted. And when they bought it, it was validation. So for, for me, I'm, I'm customer focused 
for validation, without a doubt. I, I, I guess there's some underlying thing that enjoys praise or being praised for doing a good job. And number two, I love I love the, the, the task of creating it and the message and the marketing, creating the VSL, the creativity of writing a sales center. I love all these things. And then, you know, what, what I call refresh mode, you know, hitting refresh and seeing what your stats are, you know, that to me is sitting back eating the apple and just, yeah, you know, saying, well, what else did you expect? You know, that, but that's not my, my main motor, motivator. I'm, I am not, I have everything I want. I drive a Honda Accord. I have one car. I live in... <clears throat> In a in a beautiful uh, six bedroom house in the suburbs, um, but I've I've been to every country possibly in the world with the exception of three that I want to go to, and I, I will go to them. I've had a Corvette Z06. I no longer have one. I've had a a Hummer. I've had a Nissan GTR. Uh, I've had uh, a Mercedes Benz Coupe. I've had. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, the, tr- I was a 41st first person, uh, civilian to jump out of a halo dive at 32,000 feet with Yonic silver. I've done the zero gravity drives. I've flown MIG jets. I've done, I've done everything that you would think you want to do when you make money. And then I've realized, no, really what I, what I really like to do is have a purpose and be an entrepreneur and drive my, my fully loaded Honda Accord, you know, for, you know, for, for me to, um, you know, I, I, I thought it was all about that when I was young. I thought, you know, being wealthy was about that. Now it's more about being healthy and living long enough and being able to put some money in the bank and leave a legacy. So just just wanted to you know, put that point out there about what my what my motivators are and my drivers are. That's a very good point that you make there, Mike, that money is not always a good motivator for our efforts in our online careers. It's, it's true that, you know, if you create a product that's desirable and help, actually helps people, that money is going to follow the, the product itself. And, you know, it's just a given. But it's also amazing that um, you were able to take the desire to, you know, to, I guess in the very beginning, help your father out with his lottery scores and investments and then be able to turn that around and sell it as a program to help many others. So, you know, that's that's a real motivator there to have that desire to want to help other people and to create you know something that's desirable and actually helps them whatever need they might have and i guess for myself and probably most of the people listening to this call i first got introduced to you through butterfly marketing that was the very first instance i i remember being introduced to mike filsane the internet marketer so could you tell us a little bit about Butterfly marketing in its very in its beginnings. Yeah, I'll try to make this quicker, but it's going to be tough. But I, I um, so we'll talk about we'll talk about uh, how butterfly marketing came about. Um, <clears throat> I saw this young kid named Mike Chen uh, launch a site called Instant Buzz. I later bought it from him. It was a great investment. Uh, but essentially what it was is it, uh, uh, imagine a Chrome extension, but it was actually uh, 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 Firefox and uh, Internet Explorer <clears throat> plugin or whatever they called it. And uh, so, you know, on your browser where you see um, your address bar and then sometimes underneath that you might have like a bookmark book bookmark bar. Well, what you did is you put an additional bar on their on their um, on their browser. And when you when you put that bar on your browser, it puts you into this free 
advertising network that you could place an ad that would show on the browser every single time somebody refreshed a page or loaded a new page. There would be a static ad up there and it would say something like, um, uh, you know, get, get leads, you know, for blah, 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 or how to get traffic or the best software platform to do X, Y, Z that people were advertising. So there was a little text ad that was on the bar and, uh, how it worked would be, um, if you refer uh, for every time you refresh a page, you get a 10th of a credit. So every single time you refresh, you, you refresh a page 10 times, You've earned one ad that's going to show up on somebody else's browser. But if you refer somebody, you will get a tenth of a credit for everybody that they refer. And this goes down 10 lines in a downline. So, you know, you can, if you refer five people who get five people, that's 25, 125, you go all the way down, you can have a million people in your downline. <clears throat> so start referring this product because every time your downline network is adding a new tab in their browser and refreshing their page, you're earning your credit. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> okay, great. It's called a traffic exchange. Pretty brilliant. Somebody should bring that back now and make it for Google Chrome. I've, uh, you have my permission. Our product was called Instant Buzz. But I bought that from Mike, and I had I had my own traffic exchanges that were doing different things. I had one. My first product was called Don't Touch My Ads. Uh, Don't Touch My Ads, ADS, right? And basically how it worked is um, you would download the software on your computer, and uh, you, you wouldn't see any ads. But as soon as you stop type, typing, you set a timer that says, I want the ad to go off after five seconds of not typing, after 30 seconds, after one minute, after five minutes, kind of like a screensaver, right? So, uh, and here's what would happen. If the ad shows up, you got a 10th of a credit. So every 10 times somebody else's ad shows up on your desktop, you just earned a credit that goes into the network and your ad will work, will pop up on somebody else's desktop when they stop typing. <clears throat> I think it was a pretty brilliant thing. In fact, it did very, very well for me. So basically what people were doing was was downloading an adware that they opted in to see an ad that wouldn't harass them until they stopped typing. They type, they get up, they go, go to the bathroom to take a bio break or they sip their coffee or make a phone call. When they come back, there's a little ad on their desktop and they could click X, but they just earned a credit, a tenth of a credit. When they see 10, they get a credit. Now, if you refer it to, to uh, five people and so on, we gave you a downline that went down 10 levels. <clears throat> so you had an incentive to refer it. So, that was the, the basis of this. So I created mine because I saw that Mike Chen created not only Instant Buzz, but another one called Flying Ads. But basically what happened was there was a one-time offer when you signed up for free that would give you like 5,000 ad credits and the ability to color your ads with highlighters and red fonts and bold. So your ads will stand out. This will normally sell for $1.99 a month, but you can buy this right now. This is a one-time offer. You can buy this right now for $97, <clears throat> one time. If you pass on this, you will never see this again. If I'm going to give credit to the person that invented this, uh, it was Mark Joyner. I, I can say this because... I don't believe a one-time offer ever existed in, in mankind <clears throat> in the sense that you were ever made an offer that said, this offer is only available now and when you come back, it's going to be this price. Obviously, it was done in the car business and different things like that. If you come back later, the price is going to change. But 
in the dynamic of signing up for something, seeing a page that says, wait, before you continue, this offer will never be made to you again. This is a special one-time offer and putting a countdown timer there. That was developed by Mark Joyner. Now, this will convert at a ridiculous number if done well. Ridiculous number. <clears throat> so I launched Don't Touch My Ads. I model this thing and I create this one-time offer. And I get 5,000 members my very first day. And it converted at 20, 20%. 20%. <clears throat> And by the way, uh, the most money I'd ever made uh, you know, prior to this uh, in a month was maybe 5,000, but I was making 2,900, 3,100. So I launched this thing <clears throat> in 24 hours. I get 5,000 people into the system. 20% of them buy the upsell at $19.95. That's 1,000 people at $19. <clears throat> and I made 19 grand in a day. And this is, you know, 2003, right? You know, I mean, th this is, this is, this is blowing my mind <clears throat> that I made more in a day than I made in two months in the car business. But you know what? In the next five days, I am going to make more money than I made in an entire year in the car business. I am shaking with disbelief of reality. And what is happening as this is happening, my AOL inbox is sounding like a jiffy pop popcorn machine it's going every one of those is $19 payment again like these 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 things are going off in my head of wash rinse repeat crack the code what is going on here so butterfly marketing comes from this original premise and then taken to steroids so this is the premise of butterfly marketing Butterfly marketing says, give something away for free, have an upsell. <clears throat> they will buy it or they won't. When they sign up, instantly make them an affiliate for that product. In order to do that, they have to have an account so it could be tracked, which means that when they sign up, you need to ask them for not only their name and email address, which is a normal squeeze page, but you need to have them create a, a password and they're creating an account. Blah, 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 WordPress, this membership, they can do it today, essentially. <clears throat> but in 2005 and 2006, creating an account with people that sends them a welcome email and makes an affiliate link, the technology didn't exist. So I created it. So the premise to continue is you give something away for free. You also have them create an account where they enter their, their, their password. So now you can create them as, as an affiliate. <clears throat> you don't tell them yet. You show them the upsell. And then after the upsell, they land on a page, which is the, the access page, where they download the product that you were giving away for free. And you say something like this. Hi, it's Mike Filsame. Thank you so much for requesting my free report on how to blah, 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 how to set up a PayPal account, right? Whatever the report was. Now, you may have noticed after you downloaded the report um, that there was an upsell for $19 
or for $47 or whatever it was. And I also gave you three additional products and I gave you audio products and my other course that normally sells for $97 and you could get all of that for $19. Now, if you purchase that, you'll also see that on this page below the download for the, the free report that I gave away. But you'll also notice underneath this video, do you see there's an affiliate link? What I've done is I've gone ahead and I've already signed you up for my affiliate. Now, here's the thing. By giving this away to five people, this free report, one out of five people will buy. So that that $47 will be uh, a $25 commission <clears throat> to you or whatever the case is, right? So that means if you give this, if you tell five people about this, you'll make $25. And I would call this the do the math stack. And I would say, so if you tell 10 people, you'll make $50. If you could tell 100 people, you'll make 500. If you could tell 1,000 people, you can make 5,000. And if over the next year, you can tell 10,000 people, you'll make $50,000. And I've done one thing better. I've stacked a bunch of promotion tools that already have your affiliate link. So not only will you see your link here, you'll see 10 steps. I've pre-written emails for you that you could send to your list. I've actually given you some traffic exchanges called safe lists. If you don't have a list where you can send emails, I've written a blog review. I've given you banners. There's a signature that you could add to your, your email in Outlook or Gmail. And there's a little video that shows you how to do that. <clears throat> so every email you send will have this. You can go into these popular forums and change your signature. And I give a list of these different things to do. And then eventually, you know, developed it to here's a tweet and all these different things. So the secret magic over-the-top driver then said this. Oh, and one last thing. You'll also notice right underneath this video, it's in green, it says your affiliate percentage. Now, if you didn't buy the upsell, your affiliate percentage is 25%. But if you did buy the upsell, we've automatically upgraded you to 75%. That means you'll get 75% of the sales as opposed to 25%. So if you didn't buy the upsell and you know that you could make some money by just telling a few friends, you might want to click the button right underneath the video that says upgrade me now and you'll you have a second chance to get this, this upsell and you can upgrade to the 75% over 25%. So this was now increasing your upsell conversion rate. And on top of that, you don't just say Facebook ad customer, Facebook ad customer. You now take that customer and you turn him into another advertising department. <clears throat> uh, old school is called word of mouth. It then became viral marketing. But the process that I did by giving everybody tools became butterfly marketing. So butterfly marketing was a software that allowed you to create an affiliate, an instant account, give them a page to download the fulfillment, uh, give them their links, upgrade their commissions and everything like that. It was the most successful software of its of its kind, bar none. I did a million dollars in five days with that software, $575,000 in one day. It put me on the map. It made me, it started the reputation of who I am today. I always I always talk this and and I'll, I'll say the same thing with you. Uh, there, there have been, um, you know, um, I believe 11 human beings to ever walk the earth. They've all been, uh, they've all been um, uh, Americans. Um, the, the first two were, um, were um, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and the other nine that followed. Can you name another one? <clears throat> I've never asked anybody that can tell me another man that's walked on the moon.
uh, not without uh, having to think really hard or go to Wikipedia. But we all know Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. Sometimes people say John Glenn because he was the first one to do a spacewalk for, for the United States. <clears throat> um, but, but so why do I say that? Well, John Reese was the first guy to do Million Dollar Day. And he did it on August, uh, August 5th or August 4th of 2004. And then he wrote a report. Uh, after uh, his friend John Reese consulted with him on how uh, 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 Jeff Walker consulted with him on how to do this anticipation launch. John Reese later told him, dude, your stuff is so great. You need to make this a course and call it product launch formula. <clears throat> and that became the third million dollar launch. I was the second. So John does this report. It's called One Man, One Product, One Million Dollars, One Day. And I read that report. He released it in August of 2004. August 31st, I read this report. And he says, and before that, the, nobody had ever done more than like $70,000 in a day. In fact, Jeff Walker's email address was jeff at six in seven.com because he was famous for doing six figures in seven days. John Reese did seven figures in one day. It changed the world. John Reese said in the report, here's how I did it. I believe that this is a milestone like Roger Bannister breaking the four-minute mile. I believe <clears throat> that nobody thought that this could be done, that a million dollars could be made in a day. But I've just shown you how you can do something to attract just 1,000 people to buy a product for $1,000, and that will give you a million dollars. I hope that inspires you to have your million-dollar day. <clears throat> you can go look when that report came out, when John Reese did his uh, traffic secrets launch. You'll see it was August of 2004. You'll see he released that report in uh, August 31st of 2004. And you will see that the domain name Butterfly Marketing was registered on August 31st of 2004. I almost choked up and just started crying right there. <clears throat> I really, I really almost did because that report was so inspiring to me. I saw it. I, I knew it was true. He gave me the formula for a million dollar launch. And I went to work on this software idea that I was doing in my marketing. And I said, I'm going to create a software that lets people replicate it. And I released that software. So that was August 31st of 2004. And by January 31st of 2006, I released it and I did that on purpose. I, it wasn't six months later. It took me 18 months to become Buzz Aldrin. It took anybody 18 months <clears throat> to follow in John Reese's footsteps and do a million dollar launch. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, from there, immediately after that, Nitro Marketing did it. Jeff Walker did it. Stompernet did it. Rich Sheffron did it all the same year. I was lucky to be Buzz Aldrin and, and be that guy. It, I couldn't go anywhere. I, was, I became one of the Beatles. I became Paul McCartney and, and John Reese was, was John Lennon. I, I, I became that guy and it, it helped me kind of be like, okay, so there was the Beatles, but then there was the Rolling Stones. Like I was part of that Beatles. I was that, that, that guy that 14 years later, I'm on an interview 
and I've done so many different things and we're talking butterfly marketing and I love it. That's how powerful that software was and we're, we're bringing it back and that's a whole nother thing. We don't have to talk about it, but I'm building all of those things into GrooveFunnel. So if you like the strategy that's coming, we don't need to talk more about that, but, but that's what butterfly marketing was and that's what it did for my that's amazing, Mike. And I remember the launch of Butterfly Marketing and seeing the videos and the promos of what the software could do. And I just remember saying to myself, I've got to have that. That's just something that I know is going to be a true game changer for my own internet marketing career. And I actually purchased my copy through an affiliate link of John Thornhill, who obviously was using his purchased copy of Butterfly Marketing. But I was able to take that software and through the help of John Thornhill's bonus of promoting my very first butterfly marketing project put 167 subscribers onto my email list and I just remember saying to myself wow this is what I've been looking for this is exactly what I need you know to get my marketing career off the ground so you know it was truly a game changer software that you were able to come up with something like it to help so many people do what seemed like could have been, you know, a simple process, but having software to do it for you made it so much simpler and easier. But your latest product is Groove Funnels, isn't it, Mike? Yes. So, um, just to tie in butterfly marketing to that, I'm I'm now writing a book called Butterfly Marketing, and we're doing the biggest case study on butterfly marketing the world has ever seen. We have Groove Funnels, which is. Um, <clears throat> It's a, it's, a, it's a brand. It's not an app. It's a brand. Uh, it's an entire platform filled with apps, actual apps called Groove Pages, which is the world's best landing page and marketing funnel builder beats anything out there, hands down. We have Groove Sell and Groove Affiliate, which is essentially how you sell your digital products. Uh, you know, you, you get that. It's, it's your, you, you list your products, your price points, and you get your affiliates. We have Groove Mail, which does... <clears throat> Your email marketing like Infusionsoft or ActiveCampaign or MailChimp, but with tagging and behavioral based, blah, blah, blah. Nothing revolutionary, but it's all tied in. And we do it very easy and better than anybody. I sound like Trump there. We're the best, better than anybody. Everybody's saying it. So uh, we also have Groove Member and Groove Video. And it's going to have uh, Groove Blog, Groove Desk, Groove um, Survey, Groove Quiz, um, and uh, – We've been building a little page builder for Shopify. Uh, so it's, it's, it's got everything to help you leave uh, every other platform there is out there, including WordPress, have everything all rolled into one. <clears throat> we don't know the price yet, but we're going to try to get all that in without having to tier it at $99 a month. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but definitely the first five, the core products, Groove Pages, Groove Mail. Groove Cell and Groove Affiliate and Groove Video and Groove Member, those six, are going to be $99 uh, per month. Um, and what we're doing is we've given GrooveSell away for free. People can go to GrooveSell.com and they'll never have to give us a credit card and they get the full suite of GrooveSell and Groove Affiliate. It's kind of like something you would have like at PayKickstart or SamCart where you pay 99 or 149 a month. But with us, it's free. And why we're doing that is it's the butterfly model. So if you say, what's the catch? The catch is I've got an upsell into the entire suite. But if you just want something to sell your products and you're happy using ClickFunnels and active campaign, you go use that. And many people will. So GrooveSell is free. And then when they come in, there'll be an offer to upgrade if they want the entire suite. But what we've done is we've followed that same path. 
We give something away for free. We offer you an upgrade if you want more. We give you all the tools and the banners and the reviews and the blog reviews and the thank you page ads and the email swipe and all of that stuff. One click post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, um, et cetera. And we incentivize you to refer people because you get locked into anybody you refer, not only by a cookie, but we lock that person with a parent-child relationship in our database. So even if they upgrade a year later on a different computer, you still get upgraded. But we also do one thing better. We do a two-tier program. So you also get paid on anybody that they bring in. This is classic butterfly marketing. It's a two-tier system baked in, parent-child, grandchild relationship, locked in for life. So there's, you know, quote, unquote, an opportunity to get as many people early before somebody else gets them because then they own them for life. And then the last thing about butterfly marketing with that is anybody can promote this for free and we give 20% commission uh, on, on, on referrals and 5% override on the second level. But if they upgrade to our full suite of group funnels with group mail and, and uh, group pages and all that good stuff, well, then they get upgraded to 40% commission on level one and 10% commission on level two. <clears throat> and, um, uh, and, and I would like to talk about why GrooveFunnels and these other platforms I had about Kartra and Webinar Jam, if, if we have time, uh, why, why there's this when I had those others in, uh, in the past, because, uh, because they, they are similar. But, but, but essentially, that, that is GrooveFunnels, and that's where, what my company is today. So in, in essence, GrooveFunnels is really like the wrapper for all those other apps that you mentioned. Uh, is that correct, Mike? Exactly. I did forget two products, and that, that helps me segue into this. Uh, two products that are also going to be part of GrooveFunnels is Groove Webinars. To do live webinars and automated webinars, like my previous products, Webinar Jam and EverWebinar, all baked in at that $99 price. <clears throat> and trust me, we didn't bite off more than we can to, uh, chew. We've, uh, we, with a special pricing that we've done, we've raised $2.2 million. We've put it all into the dev. We have the world's best developers. We've done in 10 months what we couldn't do in seven years in, in my previous companies uh, with quite frankly, qual- better quality developers and uh, and really good partners. <clears throat> so, having I'm trying not to make this a commercial for us, but but to, to but to talk about me here. How did this lead to this? So, I've learned a lot of different things. There's there's nobody uh, online, and this is actually uh, nothing to be proud of. What I'm about to say, there's no marketer online uh, that's even come close to have launching more million dollar brands than I have. <clears throat> Um, I believe I've done more million dollar launches than anybody because I have time on my side. I've, I've done, uh, on average 2.5 per year since 2004. So that's kind of hard to beat. And the mistake that I made was that all of these were different brands that took my focus away and I was working with different partners. What we've done with GrooveFunnels is a compilation of Evergreen Business System, which became EverWebinar. Yeah, well, we have Groove Webinars. Webinar Jam, well, we have Groove Webinars. Deal Garden, well, yeah, Groove Sell is for free, except we don't even take any money when you process. Kartra, well, that's GrooveFunnel Suite, plus we have even more. Uh, <clears throat> Traffic Fusion and HyperJava, well, yeah, we have thank you page ads built in. PowerLink Generator, yeah, our tracking links, they have that pretty link type functionality. Viral friend generator. Yeah, we have a built-in telefriend in the promotion tool suite. Butterfly marketing. Yeah, we've baked it in. So what I've done now is I've taken my body of work with the latest technology and I've incorporated everything all into one, including what's working today, funnels, all this stuff. And it created a platform that is literally 
<clears throat> untouchable. So what's bad about what I did in the past is Viral Friend Generator didn't talk to PowerLink Generator, which didn't talk to Pay.com, which didn't talk to Butterfly Marketing, which didn't talk to HyperJava, which didn't talk to Evergreen Business System. And they were all these scripts that you installed on your own server like WordPress and all those nightmares that came with updates, installs, cron jobs. <clears throat> it's not working for me. Who's your hosting company? So my journey has led me to create this all-in-one platform. Now, I started doing that in 2011 with Deal Guardian, which morphed into Cartrend. We also did two separate projects, Webinar Gem and Ever Webinar, <clears throat> which were three products where me, I'm putting them together. And, and not to mention, we also have Groovecart, which is a competitor to Shopify, all in this platform. It's just absolutely amazing what we've been able to do. But what happened with, um, I'm going to try to say this as, as, uh, as good as I can. My former partner, Andy Jenkins, has passed away. So I'm going to try to stick to the overarching facts here. <clears throat> um, uh, this was my company with Hector. I had Evergreen Business System. We had Deal Guardian. We were developing Webinar Jam. Uh, he wanted to be an educator and do things like video genesis and traffic genesis. And I wanted to do software and I wanted to leave and go launch that product. And he said, you've got to choose your partner. And I said, well, why don't you come do, take this journey with us? Long story short, Andy came into the company and uh, took over a third of it. And I had a third and Hector had a third. And <clears throat> what happened was the dynamic change. I went from being the visionary CEO of a software company like I am right now with with great partners to an uh, 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 an equal third partner no longer a ceo no longer the visionary with a person with a very strong personality that also had his ways of wanting to do things and let's say he was never wrong um the problem was we were two marketing guys with a little too much respect for each other so in 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 the world of money and development and entrepreneurship, there's an expression that says money likes speed. Money loves speed. Andy and I would always say, hey, I came up with an idea. Let me run it by you. Hmm, let me, you know what? I think we should do this. Let's talk to Jeff Walker. All right, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we were getting too much information. I think we should do it this way. There wasn't, we had too much respect for us for somebody to just say, this is how we're going to do it. <clears throat> um, then from there, the dynamic did change. Andy's personality started taking over a little bit more, and uh, he started running it more as his company, and I became more of an employee in it. It no longer became fun for me. Um, we had some disagreements, and we came to an agreement that uh, one of us would leave, <clears throat> and I decided to take the buyout. So the most polite way I can say it is mommy and daddy got a divorce, and they kept the kids. Uh, and a very tragic thing happened after that. You know, I, I had my two-year non-compete, and while that happened, uh, Andy had gotten cancer, and, uh, and 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 unfortunately, he didn't make it and passed away. And now his wife Sarah and Hector are running the company. <clears throat> but uh, for me, I kind of felt um, I kind of felt like Steve Jobs. Uh, you know, I had a passion for this thing called the Lisa and the Macintosh. And one day I find myself out of my own company. Um, and, you know, these, these things happen in business uh, as they happen in marriages. Um, and right now with the Steve Jobs metaphor, I am at Next Computer. Steve went on to found to find Next. Uh, they ended up getting bought out by Apple. You know, I'm not going to go get bought out by this other company. Um, <clears throat> frankly, uh, 
I'm, I'm the visionary of, of, of these ideas. You know, the, the, these, these were my ideas and, um, and I left the soul of that company and it took on something else and it wasn't necessarily I wanted to do. I just wasn't happy anymore. And I needed to move on, wait my turn. And now I'm with uh, a company where I've got partners that excel in their things. Matt Saralta, Matt Naus, John Cornetta, and myself, and a couple of little minority partners as well, like Unroop and uh, Joe Jablonski and Finn. Uh, and we round out an incredible team that lets everybody stay in their lanes. And my partners, they They've seen me come up. They know I'm a software visionary. They know I have a, a passion for this. And they give me their input, but they let me they let me drive the car. And that's why we're able to do the incredible things that we're doing very, very quickly. And what's needed is an incredible operations team, people that know advertising, people that know uh, how to develop the software. You need all those people. I can be a visionary, but we need those other people. And that's where they fit in. And that's why we're creating this magic. So it sounds like to to me, Mike, that you've been on sort of a journey of, for lack of a better phrase, for of self-developing, wanting to better your past projects. In that, uh, you know, we all have programs that we use in our daily functions as online marketers. That you know, they don't talk to each other. They don't integrate with each other. So it makes them hard to really combine those into an overall flow in our business and group funnels it sounds like is a, the main wrapper for all these other apps that the individual program that you had in your past that worked great in their in their own rights but now they integrate with each other in that you know it will make the software development much easier and really more robust and feature driven I guess is the best way to say it for you know the individual user that's using it in their online business so you know having said all that you know I feel like you know you have to say more power to GrooveFunnels that you're going to be able to do this and I also like the fact that uh, you know you, you've taken a visionary entrepreneur vision into creating those past apps that were successful and now you're wanting to combine them into one system that integrates and works well with each other and you know like i said that that's going to be a true game changer in the internet marketing world thank you let me wrap up by saying this i'm going to use a metaphor this may be maybe dated and and for some people it may be spoilers and, and i've learned that you know when it comes to tv series that you know that that are uh, online you know like breaking bad and those types of things like spoilers can last three days like you you know you you, you it's not like a movie <laughs> You know, you've you got to be able to talk about episodes. So forgive me if you're hearing this too soon. It's going to be the, a very minor spoiler. But I'm a big fan of Better Call Saul. And, uh, you know, last night's episode that I, that I just saw uh, has Kim and Jimmy McGill, who's basically Saul Goodman before he, he's turning into Saul Goodman in the fifth season. Um, and she quits the law firm that she's making, who knows, maybe a half a million dollars a year or something. Uh, but who knows, right? But it's a really, really good job. <clears throat> and she just quits. She just quits after she she thought that Jimmy was killed by by the cartel and found out that he was alive. And she made it made her realize what is only important to her. is She's looking at her table while she's dealing with this multi million dollar bank that is throwing out uh, this guy that's on their land. 
and throwing them off the land. And meanwhile, all she cares about is doing pro bono work. And she quits. And Jimmy Saul says to her, what are you doing? You made, you made a ridiculous choice. You shouldn't have spoken. You should have spoken to me. And she said, I did what was right in my heart. How are you going to make money? And she, you know, she basically just said to him, um, what you, he says, you don't seem to realize. And she says, write to him, what you don't seem to realize is this is none of your business. This is what makes me happy. And I'm going to figure it out from here. And again, without getting a little bit too choked up, that was what was happening to me um, when I was talking to my dad and everybody telling me I'm making a mistake. This is going to be a big company worth something. Just sit out, quit the company, but maintain your shares. And I said, I don't feel happy in what I do. And this isn't going to make sense with you. And sometimes we make decisions and they're the wrong decisions. We don't know. Hindsight will tell us. But but yeah, I, I, I was fortunate enough to, to say I've got enough life experience that I want to do things that make me happy and also do things that are fulfilling to my customers and, and the, the, the people that are around. And, and I sat on the sidelines and it's four years later now that this is, you know, two, two years on the sidelines, two additional years to develop this. And um, it feels very good. I'll wrap this up here. I, I'm assuming we're done unless we have another question to do, but I'll, I'll say this. What, what does it feel like to be fulfilled? And to know that um, you're doing, you're, 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 you're in a good place. Like, am I in a good place? Yeah, the, the answer would be this. I've quit smoking. I used to forget my phone when I'd go downstairs. And the, the fear that I'd have to have to go back up the stairs was that when I went back up the stairs again real quick and came down. <sighs> you all right, babe? Yeah, I'm okay. What's the matter? No, nothing, nothing. I couldn't go up and downstairs twice without hearing my heart. <clears throat> my grandfather died at 49 of a heart attack. I'm going to be 53 this year. I started having these feelings of I, I, I've, I've effed up in my life. I've, I've effed up. I was a friggin' smoker that thought it was never that the chickens were never going to come home to roost. And I've got high blood pressure, and I've lost. Andy, I've lost my friend Sean Wander. I've seen my friend Bill Harris die. I've seen a, another friend Mike. People around me are starting to die, and I think that I'm special, and I'm just not. I'm an out of shape guy, <clears throat> and what the hell does all of this shit mean if I'm not around to 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 to, to live it? So I've quit smoking. I do a daily walk, even if it's pouring rain. Come hell or high water. I, I remember the first three day, uh, days of the walk, I would say to Michelle, babe, slow down. Why are you walking so fast? She's like, I'm not, babe. I'm just walking. All right, all right. Well, we're not in a race. We're just getting an hour in. We're not, we don't have to get three miles in. Right? And that was a, and, and it was just me being embarrassed that I, I, I was getting leg cramps from walking. I, I, I couldn't do a one-hour walk. And, uh, and now six months later – you know, we have this rake walk saying, like, who can do it? Let's beat this last mile, maybe jog the last uh, half mile. And I'm just feeling fit and lighter. My skin complexion's looking good. John Cornetta bought me this green shake mix, like this $400 worth of ingredients that you get at Whole Foods and made a video of me doing it. I drink a green shake every day for breakfast, no longer the eggs and the bacon. I'm not perfect by any means, but, but uh, I quit smoking. And the, the reason why I'm doing this is – uh, is 
I'm, I'm loving these new things like biohacking that are saying, hey, if you live long enough, you might live long enough to the next stage, which is where we can extend life another 20 or 30 years. And if you live long enough during that, we might be able to pause life. And if you could live long enough through that, <clears throat> we might be able to actually reverse aging if you're not doing stupid things like drugs and alcohol and smoking and, and all these different things. So, so for me, I've seen with the love of my wife, and my partners and this company, I've really had this thing like, I don't, I don't want to mess around. I, I, I have something that I enjoy so much. I'm not building this company to sell it. Neither are my partners. We love what we're doing. And I, I, I think I came really, really close to, you know, to tempting fate there with, with just thinking that I could out survive this thing and watching people around me die for different reasons. Some of them weren't even their fault, obviously. Uh, and I'm, I, you know, uh, you know, the black widows and, you know, silent killers, these, these high blood pressure things. And I've, I've, I'm in a place right now where I, I've never been more happy in my life that I'm actually looking at it like, well, an idiot, then, good is the enemy of great. Take what you know about, about your life and put it into your health and your relationships and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I know this is a long interview we've gone on here. I don't know how long it's been here, <clears throat> 90 minutes here, but, um, but yeah, I, I'm, uh, I, I, I just hope people enjoyed me being a little bit of a storyteller here. You're doing a great thing here with these, with these interviews. And, and I've listened to many of the others that have been done and it's, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to do this. I never know where these roads are going to take us or what, I, what I'm going to divulge about myself, whether it's explicit or implied, people can read between the lines, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's good. It's good to, be able to do something that you like and then know that you know the money is a byproduct of that great awesome stuff mike and just like i said previously it sounds like you're on a journey of self-development not only in your business journey but also your own personal life and the journey that you're following with trying to get better fit so that you can enjoy the fruits of your labor as a side note one of the things that i really liked was your earlier impression of donald trump would you like to have another go at that uh, <laughs> all right. Let's see. Um, I usually just play around, but, uh, let's see. Uh, you are fake news. No, I can't even do it. I can't even do it. I'm a little too on the spot there. <laughs> no problem, Mike. Sorry about that. So how can we find out more about you, Mike? And more importantly, how can we find out more about group funnels? Um, Best thing to do is one of two things. Go to Groove Digital FB, as in Facebook, GrooveDigitalFB.com. Our Facebook group isn't open only to our customers. It's open to everybody. We give free trainings every Tuesday and every Thursday. We do a Facebook Live every day at a random time. We're constantly putting free content. We have two monthly newsletters that we post, a new one that we're doing uh, right now, and then we're putting all of my archives for, for five years of MDC Monthly every month in what we call a retro. So if we release the May issue, now you get the May 2009. <coughs> uh, uh, it's just a great community. And it's free to join. You don't have to give us your email address or anything like that. And if you want the free software over at GrooveCell uh, so that you can sell your products and you don't want to give us a credit card or anything, just go to GrooveCell.com and you could you could start using our software. Sounds good and great stuff, Mike. Well, thanks once again for taking time out of your day for this interview. I appreciate all the info that you've given us today and the insights into your business journey and your personal life journey. 
It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for being here on our call today. Same here. Thank you uh, very much. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Marketers Who Execute podcast. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe us so that you get advanced notifications of new episodes as we post them each week. And also go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter at internetsuccesszone.com slash newsletter. We really hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to bringing you new shows each week. Thanks once again for visiting the Marketers Who Execute podcast.